The views expressed on this show by guests and the host on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Welcome to 9-11 Freefall. I'm the host, Andy Steele. Today we're joined by Kent Rattan. He's a board member for AE 9-11 Truth. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Trinity University in San Antonio and a Master's in Architecture from the University of Texas, Austin. He's worked in firms in Austin, Houston, and Dallas before working for 20 years as a corporate architect and project manager at the Marriott International Headquarters and Sodexo Marriott Headquarters. He has acted as a project architect, project manager, and project director on many projects in high-rise buildings in Dallas, New York City, Washington, D.C., Virginia, and elsewhere. And he spent many years managing projects in midtown Manhattan while living in the D.C., Maryland suburbs. So he's got an extensive history here and a lot to say about the destruction of the Three Towers on September 11th. We'll be getting to all that. This is our first time meeting him here on the show. Kent, welcome to 9-11 Freefall. Well, thank you, Andy. I'm uh, honored and privileged to be on here. So it is a rite of passage for new guests on this program, especially when they're board members. Please tell us your 9-11 story. Where were you when you heard the news of what was happening in New York? Right. I uh, had uh, been honored uh, with a National Design Award for a project that I had designed and built. And the award ceremony was in Orlando, Florida. And for some reason, I don't know exactly why, I decided to drive down there, accept the award, and then drive back. I usually flew, but for some reason I drove this time. On 9-11, early in the morning, I had stopped at a fast food restaurant and I was enjoying my breakfast. It was a beautiful September day. And um, I heard on, I was listening to Howard Stern, believe it or not. And he was in shock on the radio saying, oh, my God, a plane hit the North Tower. And then a little later, oh, my God, a plane hit the South Tower. Well, I had one of those newfangled devices called a cell phone. And my immediate thoughts were with my family in suburban Maryland, in suburban D.C. So I called my wife, who's a uh, home mother, and I said, be sure our four kids are okay. And she said, well, they are. I'm already going to get them. So I said, good. And um, as the next thought I had was, well, I've got a construction project going on in McLean, Virginia. So I called my construction superintendent there, and I said, send everybody home. He said, okay. And I said, well, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot is going on. And, of course, we were 
being warned of a uh, contact blackout on the cell phones. And we were also being warned that Interstate 95 was being closed. So I took the long way back on back roads to Maryland. And one of the interesting things about it was that this was on morning of September 11th, and I hadn't really seen very much video yet of what was occurring. And when I got there, I said, well, you know, my wife was saying, well, you got to watch this. And I said, oh, my God, that doesn't look real. That doesn't look natural. There's something wrong. I'm an architect. I know how buildings stand up. I know what makes them stand up. There is something terribly, terribly wrong here. And then I uh, said, but however, you know, life goes on. So I had a client who had flown in to D.C. to have a meeting with me next morning on September 12th. He had flown in from Guajalain, the atoll in the Pacific. We had an operating contract there with Raytheon, the, the missile people, and I knew that I had to go to work, even though things were all crazy, and uh, meet with him. So I did, and I said, you know, I don't think that flights are operating now, so you'll have to figure out a way to get home back to <laughs> back to the West Coast, to San Francisco, and then to Kwajalein. I said, why don't you rent a car and drive to St. Louis, and maybe in a day or two, things will clear up. So he did. And that was the kind of life that I led professionally with clients, really, all over the world. <laughs> um, I had done several projects in and I had a lot of good friends and good cohorts, architects, and engineers here. And, of course, I was concerned about their well-being. I looked at the South Tower going down on TV, and I realized that I had a family member who was there. And I thought, oh, my God, we lost Ken. And sure enough, we did. He was one of the victims in the South Tower. He was vaporized almost immediately. And uh, I also recalled that in 1999, I had done a feasibility study with a design proposal for the Windows on the World restaurant, which was one of our uh, contract operations in New York. And the thing that struck me at the, at the meeting with the Port Authority was that I said, you know, this is my normal construction, design and construction budget. I've got all my categories here but I don't know anything about your asbestos situation. I said, you have to provide that if you want my clients to pay for asbestos abatement because we can't do this project otherwise. And they clammed up. They said, well, we don't uh, think we have that information available to you. And I said, well, okay, (laughs) then I can't do your project, you know, because you're going to make my clients pay for it. And they can't. They can barely afford the budget I put together. So anyway, that was sort of my background with uh, Midtown Manhattan and Lower Manhattan in terms of projects. Well, like I said, I had projects all over, but I had a big center of gravity 
in the D.C. area. We had clients at uh, the three-letter agencies that I was doing projects for. We also had the House of Representatives, which we were doing a project for. And I can tell you that going into D.C., driving in, the it was like a war zone. I mean, there was uh, Secret Service everywhere, uh, traffic cones everywhere. It was very, very difficult to get into those particular projects to talk to my clients. Um, however, life went on. I began to have suspicions about the official story of 9-11 right away because I knew that buildings did not behave the way the videos were showing. As I continued to doubt the official story, I began to look into things. The Internet was a little bit more free, not a little bit, a lot more free in those days. And uh, I came across uh, Bonnie Faulkner and Guns and Butter, and I remember listening to David Ray Griffin describing the new Pearl Harbor. Well, <clears throat> then I went and found the Neocon Manifesto for the project for the New American Century, which was basically lamenting the fact that America had lost its will following Vietnam to engage in illegal foreign wars. Well, you know, what I came to realize was that they announced their intentions beforehand. And we all have to be alert to that. Um, I'm not exactly sure how or why that happens, but it does. Then, in 2003, the illegal war regression happened in Iraq. And I thought, oh my God, you know, it's just going to go on and on and on. And the more that happened, the more I got curious and began to look into all of the fake news stories that were happening around 9-11. And I realized that the 9-11 Commission was sort of a setup to try to misdirect people because it was underfunded. The entire narrative was, according to Philip Zellico's notes from the White House. So the information I was getting did not jive at all with the official story. Um, and I began to look into it more and more and discovered David Ray Griffin. And eventually, in about 2007, I found Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. And I thought to myself, these guys know what's going on because all we are is an organization dedicated to a real forensic investigation of the three towers in the World Trade Center that collapsed that day. Never before and never since have three steel-framed buildings collapsed. That is a singularity. 
that singularity has to be explained. And it's not explained by NIST reports. I used to sit in my office in D.C., in the D.C. area, that overlooked the NIST campus. At the time, I did not know that they were preparing their NSTAR report for 2005, but I later found out. And then I said, well, they didn't investigate anything. There's nothing here except foregone conclusions that they have tried mightily to justify. Then the news about World Trade Center Building 7 began to take a life of its own. That is the real unexplained tower failure. And I was following the uh, 2008 uh, NIST report on Building 7, which, of course, makes no sense whatsoever. We, about that time, I signed the petition for AE 9-11 Truth because I thought, now, finally, we will get a real forensic investigation and we will do so based on the physics of the universe that we understand, the things that we design buildings around. And sure enough, we found Dr. Halsey at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And based on his four-year study, the official collapse story could not be sustained. And that is where we are. We are still trying to locate construction documents for the Twin Towers. And, of course, all of our FOIA requests have been denied because of, quote-unquote, national security. That tells you right there that none of these studies can be replicated. They can't be peer-reviewed because we don't have the information that's required to do that. So our task as forensic investigators, is to carry on. That's the best we can do. And luckily, this year, we have a request for corrections that uh, to the uh, Building 7 study that NIST has kind of shrugged off. It was a very detailed request for correction put together by Ted Walter on our team. It's extremely thorough. And to just be completely blown off by a public affairs person at NIST, rather than considering each of our points, is really an insult. But we go on. We are now suing NIST on behalf of the families and on behalf of the truth. Um, We also have a lawsuit against the FBI because they have information that they're required to release, and they haven't. So there's that. And then in the UK, we have the inquest into the death of uh, Jeff Campbell's family member, who was in New York at the time. So we have a lot of good, good things going on. In addition to our recent film, The Unspeakable, which 
plays on the term uh, Raids on the Unspeakable that was uh, written by Father Thomas Merton. Um, it adequately sums up the experience of the families and the emotional impact that it has continued to have on each of them. So we're very hopeful, and we will press on, because the truth will eventually come out. Absolutely, and that's why we continue to do what we do here. I am sure that the corporate media, that the government establishment that keeps things like this buried would like us to go away, would like to just keep on ignoring us and hope that we give up and uh, quit and go on with our lives. But no, we're not going to do that. We can wait them out and we will continue to as other things happen in this world, as more people wake up to the true nature of their government and events such as September 11th. I really believe that our time will come. We may have to step over uh, <laughs> some structures to do it, but we will... Uh, come forward and I think that eventually it will be acknowledged. I really believe that. I'm not just putting out a bunch of bluster folks and rhetoric. I am dead serious. I really think that this will be acknowledged at some point as long as we continue to exist. It's like the Edgar Allan Poe story. It's like the telltale heart where the the heart is under the floorboards beating, reminding the consciousness of America of what really happened that day. That is what we do here at AE911 Truth, and eventually we're going to come up from the floorboards and we will have justice. So we just got to keep on holding on and uh, take advantage of uh, certain certain current situations to get that message out about 9-11. Yeah, it's an apt metaphor, Andy, just to interrupt you for a second. We are, at AE911 Truth, the beating heart of this quest that we're on, and we will not give up. It will come out eventually. Exactly. The show is the ghost in the haunted house. <laughs> Telling you about the murder that took place there. So here you are. You're an architect. And you saw the buildings come down that day. Uh, if, if not at the moment it happened, uh, definitely later on because they played it over and over again. And then you developed suspicions about it years later as you're looking into the event and as you're seeing the ramifications of it unfold, did you talk to peers about this, other architects, about your suspicions? If so, what were their reactions? I did talk to other architects, and especially the ones that I hired uh, to do projects for me, and especially the ones on the East Coast. And they were also in agreement that there was something terribly wrong with the official story. And they also said, but I can't really say that out loud. And I thought, why? Why can't you? And they said, well, because we have clients and we have our jobs to protect. So that has been a huge obstacle that AE 911 Truth has been overcoming, slowly but surely, as people become more secure in their own independent thinking. Think for yourselves. That's what we ask everybody to do. Think of, You don't have to be an architect. You don't have to be a structural engineer. Just believe your eyes, believe your senses, believe your intuition, believe your thoughts. And that's all that's required to make that leap, that leap that takes you from 
blind acceptance to questioning. That's what we try to do. And our questioning, of course, at AE911 Truth is based on real forensics, real science. We're not asking anybody to jump, jump on board without thinking about that. We've proven the case over and over again. Absolutely. It's just a psychological issue now, and I will keep hammering that point home every time that I can because, again, they want to just say that, it's oh, it was explained years ago, and when you read articles claiming that they're going to debunk AE-911 truth and claiming that this was settled years ago, they don't really even give you an explanation. The writers who write such articles and hit pieces don't even have a clue about the official story that they're defending most of the time. They can't even tell you. They'll usually throw out some debunked theory that was circulating on the internet uh, about, like, for instance, why Building 7 came down. They'll say that the tanks, the diesel tanks, blew up, and that's why even though NIST itself walked away from that theory years ago, so, no, they really have no information, very low information establishment, and I think they're cutting their own throats because they're not really employing the best and brightest here in this country. They're just willing to uh, employ the, the brown nosers and suck-ups who are willing to sell their soul for a little bit of fame, for that, that, their name right there next to that byline. And that is going to hurt them in the end because uh, we're doing this because we want to do it. We don't, we're doing this because we feel it's a duty to do it also. Exactly. Um, it's not. It's not easy. It is not easy to try to do our best to enlighten the rest of the world. But as you know, the rest of the world also has very serious questions about nine eleven. What happened? We have our biggest obstacle in convincing the American people at large, because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance to not accepting the official story. There's a lot of psychological obstacles that uh, have to be overcome. And we'll do it eventually. We will. I have no doubt about that because the truth is the truth no matter how long it takes. So we do it for that reason, because it's our duty. Right. And what bothers me so much about 9-11, obviously the obvious tragedy on that day, that nearly 3,000 people killed the people who are dying now from illnesses as a result of their work at Ground Zero, which is a consequence of the towers coming down, so that is absolutely relatable to our cause. Uh, the wars that followed, loss of civil liberties. I mean, all these things are well stated and well documented in the years following September 11th. But another element of the tragedy to me is the divisions that are created between people. People who might have otherwise gotten along just fine now have this thing to split them up. And uh, over the years, it's turned into other divisions, and now it's to the point where people can't even have a civil conversation about politics anymore. You can have a presidential election show up, and you got people getting divorced over it. I mean, it's ridiculous. But the 9-11 issue is a real issue, and unfortunately, you know, because of what this created in the minds of people, uh, we've got more division in our society than we ever did. I mean, the 90s seemed like a pretty chill time to me. Uh, I was only in high school at the time, but you didn't have people at each other's throats like this or having a big heavy issue at the center of relationships and uh, disqualifying them from each other. I honestly believe that division is one of the goals of the entire episode. And that's what we're trying to overcome. And the truth 
will overcome that division, I am certain. I'm not sure it will happen in my lifetime, but it will. So that's why we fight. That's why we continue to insist on a real forensic investigation into what exactly did happen on 9-11 in New York with three towers, that three steel frame towers, one of which was not hit by an airplane, that all came down symmetrically into their own footprint. Two, the two towers were exploded. WTC-7 was imploded. That's right. And also, you know, you, you got to be into this for the long haul. I don't take it personally if people disagree with me. Uh, I don't even get mad unless they're doing something to me directly or doing something slimy or low down or whatever. If there's a normal person and they're just afraid of addressing this, I don't uh, get mad at them. I don't disqualify them from my life over it because we do have to be in it for the long haul. And the truth will win out in the end. I really believe that if you just stick to your guns, stick to something long enough, it's time comes. So we've got about four minutes left, but I want to hear your thoughts as a board member here at AE 9-11 Truth about the pertinence of 9-11 today, because this is what people try to say now. They try to say, well, it was 20 years ago. We've got this going on. We've got that going on now. We've got to focus on these things. Who cares about, you know, you might be right, they'll say. You might be right, but who cares, because it was 20 years ago. What is your response to that, Ken? My response to that is that 9-11 shaped the world our children have grown up in. It shaped their perceptions. And we can't allow a lie to do that. It's just not right morally. And I keep saying it is always relevant. It is always important because the truth is all that really matters. We can overcome all of this hesitancy, I hope, as soon as we can finish our real forensic investigations into what exactly happened at the World Trade Center. So that's our that's our aim. And it's a long haul for all of us, but we're committed to it. They will try to shut us down. They will try to slander. They will try to defame. But the truth is the truth. And none of that outside noise matters in the end. you got to stick to what you believe in. Stick to your own gut, your own common sense. Stick to what keeps driving you. And tune out all of the noise, no matter where it's coming from. And that is not just a lesson for 9-11 Truth, but it's a lesson in life. And to anybody that's scared of the consequences of the realization of the truth by the country. I mean, we've had horrible things happen in this country before. We have survived it. We have condemned it. We've celebrated the people that fought against it, and we moved on. The same thing would happen here, okay? What happened in the Bush administration back in 2001 has no reflection on you as an individual or your neighbors or the great people that make this country up. So let's be bold and stand up and speak out and speak the truth. Nothing to be afraid of. I'm a Scottish Texan by ancestry, and Texans are notoriously rebels <laughs> um, against authority. And my Scottish family's family crest has the motto, in defiance. I am always in defiance against lies. That's my job. That's my obligation. That's my duty. So part of what I do is, is genetic. Part of its nature, part of its nurture. But, yeah, you're right. It will 
come out. We will win, and the people that understand it will prevail. Kent Rattan, thank you so much for coming on 9-11 Freefall today. I appreciate the opportunity, Andy. Thank you so much. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. This is Andy Steele. Have a great week. Good luck.